Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Thursday, April 13th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a wonderful week. Obviously, a lot going on in the combat sports world. Yesterday was a very busy day. We had some blockbuster announcements, which we'll obviously be talking about today throughout the program. Uh, On a personal note, feeling a lot better. I feel like I have come through whatever I had to deal with this past weekend and earlier this week, actually got a workout in, felt good, and I think we're on the other side of things, which I'm very excited about. Um, We'll discuss some of the news and what we're going to talk about on the show this week, but I figured today would be a a good day to tell a little story, a day in the life of your friend Mike Heck, Uh, because yesterday was a very cool day for me, or at least it was shaping up to be that way. I was taking my child to the practice round of the PGA Tours RBC Heritage event, which took place on the Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. Very cool to be able to take my son there, but we were part of this this group. So my son takes group golf, golf lessons, it's a group called uh, the First Tee, and basically it teaches kids the game of golf, but not just the skill set that it provides, the lessons that can be learned while playing the game, like honor, respect, integrity, uh, the pillars that we should all live by to live honest, good lives. So there is about 25 kids, and obviously I saw this as a cool opportunity to take my kid, who's really getting into golf, so I volunteered to chaperone. And he was very excited. So we go to the campus, which hosts some of the cool stuff that they do in order to teach the kids golf. That's where the bus is going to pick us up. And bus pulls in. It's not really a bus. It's just kind of these, you know, 35-seaters. And we hop aboard the bus. We're getting ready to leave. Bus moves. We hear this sound and we're like, oh, what was that? And the way it sounded was, oh, maybe it's just an old bus and needed a a little minute to get going. And I hear one of the kids in the backseat say, 
oh my God, that bus hit that Explorer back there. And I drive an Explorer. And I'm like, I hope you're joking. And they said, no, I'm dead serious. The bus hit the Explorer. And I was like, you got to be kidding me right now. So bus driver was like, you want to go back and take a look? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, if you even have to question this, then there's an even bigger issue at hand that you didn't realize you just hit a car, let alone my car. So drives back around and sure enough, my back bumper looks like there's multiple eyeballs in it. Just ripped a hole in the back of my bumper. I was not happy at all. I know it was an accident. Bus driver was very apologetic. The company that drove said bus was very apologetic. They got me the information. They were like, look, we'll take care of it. I was like, well, I am going to contact the insurance company. This ain't going to be me doing the whole, hey, I'll go and get an estimate and hope and pray that you guys cover it. No, I'm going through the proper channels. And they're like, no, no, I get it. Do what you got to do. But at the end, like, just get an estimate and we'll cover it. I'm like, well, I'll let the insurance know that that's what you guys want to do. So that's how my day started uh, with a nice big fat hole in a bumper thanks to the back bumper of a bus that drove us to the golf tournament. So that was the beginning of the day. And then I had to sort of deal with that in the background while I was chaperoning a bunch of children around a golf course. Most of the kids were well-behaved. Some of them were just not fun to be around, but it was very cool. Very cool. My kid got a bunch of autographs. Uh, Xander Shoffley, very cool guy, went and signed all the golf balls and all the apparel and all the stuff, went to every single kid. Uh, it was super cool. There are a few others that did the same. Uh, Mark Car was another one. But all the kids wanted to see was John Rahm. And I, I, we got to watch John Rahm play some holes. Uh, it was cool. But all the kids wanted was John Rahm. One of the people went over and Tried to get him. We didn't get him, unfortunately, but it was a, a very cool experience outside of the hole in the back of the bumper. So that was how my day started. I figured I would share that information with you. But we obviously have a lot to talk about. Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz happening in a boxing match August 5th in Dallas, Texas. That is, uh, that's something. And of course, we're two days away from the UFC's return to Kansas City. I saw a tweet earlier. I haven't looked at it myself, but... Apparently, ticket sales are not going very well for this card. So if there is a sellout streak that the UFC is touting, it doesn't look like this one's going to be a part of it. If there is still a streak, it's probably going to get snapped. But of course, hell of a main event, Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen, a fight that I've gotten more into as the days have gone by. I've just learned to accept it. I don't want to... I just feel like we may be living in a world where Max Holloway is the number one contender at 145 again, and that's just a tough place to be after what Volk has done, beating Max three times, especially what happened this past July, but who knows? Maybe I'm reading too much into this. Maybe Arnold Allen will win, and none of this matters, but it's a great fight, and I'm excited to see how it all plays out. But we can talk about Paul Diaz. We can talk about UFC Kansas City. We can talk about Alex Pereira. Making the decision to move to 205 for the time being, which people were tagging me like, oh, finally, Mike Heck can move on. Move on? I mean, look, uh, this is what I said. I wanted the, the third fight until Pereira came out and publicly said, I'm moving up. And now he's moving up. So for now, I have moved on. 
but maybe they'll run it back at 205. I don't know. I don't know. But there's other things going on too, so let's just get into it. Toke, it's been a minute. What's what's up, all in Toke? Already, aren't we? Because I'm going to use your own words against you. This isn't Bellator. Strike merit from your or deserves from your vocabulary. It's time for Adesanya versus Hamzat. I'm sorry, Mike. We have to do it. DDP is just not it. If I mean, sure, if you're going to Cape Town in August, there's something, sure, but you're not. You're really not. You know you aren't. And the only fight that is going to sell Adesanya, the biggest fight for Adesanya, is no doubt. No doubt, Hamzat. There's no, I mean, unless Jan Blachowicz is actually serious, which I don't think he was. You said yourself, he's trolling. And I still think he is. So I'm sorry, Mike. I'm going to use your own words against you. This isn't Bellator. It's time for Hamzat Chimaev. Have a good Thursday, Mike. To be fair, to be fair, uh, we had the ranking show. I haven't been on a ranking show in a while. And we discussed this very topic. And we sort of laid out how we would rank the names that could be potentially involved here of which fights we would want to see most. And it was Pereira 3 for me. But number two was Hamza Shemaev. It was Hamza Shemaev. And Toke, just to let you know, number three on the list, DDP wasn't even number three on my list. DDP was number four on my list. Number four. Because if that fight doesn't happen in Africa, I don't want to see it right now. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I think Adesanya is a minus 700 favorite in that fight. And the build to it is just going to be ugly and it's not going to be fun. Because they're just going to talk about who is, you know, I'm more from this area than he is. No, I am. No, I am. No, you're not. I am. It's just going to be an argument from Pee-wee's big adventure. I know you are, but what am I? Infinity. I don't need to see this for eight weeks or however long this is going to be. That fight week's going to be brutal. We already have to get ready for Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. And I already am sick of that fight. And we haven't even gotten to fight week yet. All I needed to see was one face-to-face interview with those guys. And I was just like, oh boy, this is going to be awful. This is just going to be awful. And I feel like it's going to be very similar vibes with this. So process of elimination, I'm with you on the Hamzat thing. That's the fight to make, in my opinion. Number three was the Whitaker fight. And I know a lot of people think I'm crazy for saying that. But I want to see those two guys fight again. I'm kind of in the New York Rick train of thinking where if after the dust settles with other rivalries, if the champion and the guy he beat twice and enough time has passed at least where the second best guy is the guy he beat twice and there's nobody else really, then I'm cool with that. If the choices are DDP and Robert Whitaker, I want to see Robert Whitaker right now. Now, if DDP goes out and gets a win over somebody not named Derek Brunson or Darren Till, somebody who already doesn't have a foot out the door of the UFC octagon, my mind will change a little bit. If, he go, if, if, if DDP goes out and beats Martin Vittori or somebody like that, okay. My mind has changed. I'm in. But if we get, geez, Louise, 
Adesanya Hamzat is a crazy fight. I just wish I just or we could just do Hamzat versus DDP and winner gets a, winner gets a title shot. I don't know. But the fight I wanted the most was the Pereira fight because I felt you had to do it now. But now that doesn't apparently be seem to be a thing because Pereira is moving up to 205 and I don't know what the hell they're going to do. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. We will see. We will see. My best friend. Welcome. What's going on, my best friend? Wow. That was a sigh. Did you watch AEW Dynamite last night? Is that your reaction? Because it was mine. Uh, I watched the Toronto Raptors last night. Well, congratulations. That was a nice win. Why would you be? Why, why, why are you being like this? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I know it's not an effort Friday, but uh, and for anyone, I mean, not that anyone should care about the Toronto Raptors because they're a garbage team. So I understand a lot of people probably didn't watch last night's game. They, uh, they lost the game, play-in game by four points. Not that it matters that they, you know, they're not going to make it out of the first round anyway, but they looked pretty good, Mike. My Toronto Raptors. They did. My Toronto Raptors looked pretty good, except for one thing. All night, bricking free throws because DeMar DeRozan's daughter was screeching at them. And these are grown men. They lost the game by four points. They missed 18 free throws. So I know this isn't an effort Friday, Mike, but uh, I'm, I, I'm still coping with this embarrassing loss. Can you think of, let's just make this MMA related because I don't know who gives a crap. Can you think of, <laughs> what, would you, what would you say is the greatest, the greatest choke job in, uh, in, in MMA? It, it doesn't even have to be a championship fight because I, 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 I think not to answer the question for you, but I think the first thing that most people would come to mind, you know, Chael Sonnen up four rounds to none uh, against uh, Anderson Silva and then, of course, literally getting choked in the, in the fifth round. But is there any other examples that come up? Again, it doesn't have to be a championship fight because it certainly wasn't a championship game on, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, the team is very far from competing for anything like that. So, yeah, can you think of any other, any other people dropping the bag? Maybe not even in a fight, maybe even career-wise, a career choke. But uh, help me, Mike. Mike, help me get, help me get through this. this was, I'm, I'm in a lot of pain right now. Well, I mean, AK, at least... At least you're not Magomed Ankalaev. Because remember when Magomed Ankalaev was just putting the absolute wood to Paul Craig for 14 minutes and 59 seconds. And then with one second left, Ankalaev was tapped by Paul Craig. I mean, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. That's like, that's like the Raptors being up 14 points with like one second left in the game. And somehow the NBA instituted a new rule that next basket wins. And they were like, okay. And the Bulls just scored and won the game. That's kind of the other example. So, but, I, but I apologize. Okay? That's, that's tough. You know, especially being a, a Boston sports fan at the moment where we have the Celtics who are probably going to go to the NBA Finals. We have the Bruins who are probably the greatest hockey team of all time this season. But I feel for you, my best friend. Yeah, Sonnen's up there. You could probably say uh, you could probably say Leon Edwards Usman won. Usman cruising about a minute away from rewriting history as we know it in a lot of respects, and then he gets kicked in the face. So those are two examples off the top of my head, but this one felt more ankle life Craigie than 
Sun and Silver E. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Ani, hello. Sorry to hear about your car, man. Um, I hope it gets fixed. And um, so what did I want to talk about? Man, I just forgot. Okay, fine. So um, about UFC 290. Okay, before UFC 290, yes, I got my train of thought back. It's like... Uh, I do not know if there is any other fighter whose fight I've been looking forward to. It makes me nervous. As in, whenever there is a Max Holloway fight coming up, it makes me extremely nervous. As in, like, I root for Max Holloway so much that, you know, usually when it's leading up to the fight, you know, there's media day, there's, you know interviews with Max Holloway, interviews interviews with all the fighters, but I'm so nervous that I'm not even watching the interviews. That's how nervous I am. And I'm, I am excited for the fight, but I, I dread it, Mike. Like, this is one of those fights that I dread. Like, seriously. Like, I'm so damn scared. And another, another thing that tears me apart is I've met Arnold Allen. Like I met him in Manchester last year. He's such a sweet person. Like we had this really nice conversation about Iron Maiden. Like he's a huge Iron Maiden fan. It it was so nice. But man, like I'm I'm I have to watch Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen. I think man, it's 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 it just breaks my heart. But anyway. Uh, why is the UFC building UFC Mexico and International Fight Week? Like, there's Alexander Volkanovsky versus um, Yair Rodriguez and Brandon Moreno versus Alejandro Pantoja. I don't mind those, that card. I mean, it's, it's both of them are really good fights, but 
um isn't ufc looking to go to ufc mexico as in like aren't they planning to do that and um do we have anything on john jones versus steve miocic as in like dana white i think like he changes his opinion more times than he changes his clothes man like the other day he was saying francis ngano left because of john jones and now he says john jones that just disappeared like it's like now it he's actually you know speaking in a way that it's john jones's fault or whatever yes that's all i had in mind thanks thanks man yeah the uh the holloway allen fight is interesting again like when it was booked i love the fight in a vacuum just wanted something different for arnold only because as of right now, unless, I mean, I've watched almost, I've watched so many fights on these guys over the last few days. Unless something just really changes my mind. Like if Max Holloway just looks like Garbo on the scale or something, I think Max is going to win this fight. I feel pretty good about picking Max here. Arnold's really good, but this is one of the things that kind of worries me about the fight. I think Max matches up really well with Arnold. I think the fact that this is a five-round fight, helps Max a lot because Max ain't going to slow down for five rounds. Arnold has had the tendency to slow down late in fights and Allen can crack man, but Holloway is just one of those guys that you just cannot get out of there. And I don't think Allen is the guy to do it. I don't think Allen's the guy to get him out of there. And I don't, and I think the longer this fight goes, the more it favors Max. I think Max is going to end up winning this fight, but I could be wrong. And Allen could have his crowning moment, but I get it. If you're a Holloway fan, so, it's a it's a weird fight. It's a great fight. There's a lot of respect for Arnold Allen. It's almost like a a win win for fans because you love both guys. But this is I think this is a tough hill to climb for Arnold. I could be wrong, but and I'm, let me see what the odds are. Yeah, the betting odds are kind of with me on this one. Minus one eighty five for Max. I'm having right around minus two hundred. Value, I think, is probably on, on Arnold, but it's, it's I, I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. The International Fight Week stuff, I, I don't think they're building. Look, Dana talked about this at the press conference. I had heard some things as well. Mexico City is probably unlikely for 2023. There's just too many logistical red tape areas to leap over at the moment. I could see potentially 2024 something happening kind of like how i feel about ufc africa it ain't easy to get there you can't just be like all right we're gonna go to africa we're just gonna go to mexico especially after like post pandemic and everything going on it's it's not gonna be easy and dana admitted at the press conference like they've sort of dropped the ball in mexico they sort they've effed up so i just unless something crazy happens i just don't think it happens this year so we got Volkanovsky versus Yair. And I think most of this is coincidence, if we're being honest, with, with the Mexico tie, because again, look at look at what's headlining 289. We have Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena three, which I don't want to take anything away from either fighter, but very few people outside of Amanda and Juliana and their camps want to see this fight again. And I thought Juliana was really interesting on the MMA hour. 
people still calling it a fluke. I know I, I I'm not one of those people. I think Juliana caught Amanda Nunes on the right day, and it's not a fluke. I think I think that on that night Juliana just beat her, it beat the hell out of her, took her best shots, walked through them. Amanda got tired, and Juliana beat her up and finished her and won the fight. Amanda made the adjustments, and we saw what happened in the second fight. I expect seeing very similar in the third fight, but it's just one of those weird fights where it's just like, eh. I feel like we don't really need any more resolution here, but this is where we're going to get. So we have to fill this other spot for International Fight Week. Who better than Brandon Moreno to do it? Brandon's over like Rover right now, especially after the Figgy win, fit putting him away. Pantoja's the right fight. Boom. There you go. That's what we have. As far as the, the Jones Stipe thing, this is the fight the UFC still wants from conversations I've had. It just, July just seems like it wasn't going to happen. July, unless something massive changes, it ain't happening International Fight Week. John kind of alluded to that after he beat Cyril Gunn. Sort of said July might be too soon after all the work he did, the comeback, everything that went into it. March to July just seemed like it might have been a bridge too far, but then John pulled the social media card. Stipe, where are you at? Why are you running? And then Stipe's like, I'll do July just fine, pal. We'll see you then. So I would say September, October. Well, maybe not October because of Abu Dhabi, but early fall, September, August? I don't know. But July is kind of out of the out of the running for right this second. So this is why we get Moreno Pantoja. And that's probably going to be the two title fights. Unless maybe they want to turn Izzy around real quick. And then do you want to do three title fights on the card? Do you want to risk it? Because it looks like they want to go back to London again in July after the international fight week card. I was told they were going to do two pay-per-views in July. I think it's the 22nd is the London card. The 29th was, that's what like at least a week ago was slated to be the second pay-per-view card. But now Dana said, nope, I want the 22nd to be the pay-per-view card. And you have to assume that at this point, it's probably going to be Leon versus Colby headlining that one. But who knows? Like I told you on the show, when those reports came out, wasn't saying they were wrong, but they were premature. They were premature to say that that fight was both sides are on board. And that's what was happening was not true. No decisions are going to be made until 287 was over. But now I think cooler heads will prevail. That's probably the fight we end up getting, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, again, unless something crazy happens, I would not expect John Jones, Stipe Miocic on the International Fight Week card. Let's go to Four Corner Sports. Hey, Mike. Uh, are you even here? Yep. All right. So, I actually wouldn't mind seeing three title fights on the International Fight Week. I think the person that could possibly do it is, um, is Ra'ad Asanya. And obviously, the question is, who should he fight? Um, I mean, I mean, I, I think it was Ariel put it out there. 
as a shot striking as maybe like a dark horse. I don't know how you think about that. I know he I know he came off a, a win over over um the guy that that Kelvin Gaston always can never get into uh, a fight with. Forget his name. He's on the top of my head. Um, and I know he also fought in December as well. But I don't know what's your opinion on that. I mean, I know Strickland and Sean, you know, really didn't like each other in that whole. I think you were there for it last last year on International Fight Week when uh, Sean was like trying to get underneath for uh, Izzy Skin. So maybe yes. that can work out if they can't go to the Drinkers Group that sees up. But I wanted to ask you, why is Brandon Royvo and Matias Nicolau on the damn prelims on uh, USC Kansas City? I feel like this could have been perfectly suited for maybe a co-main event. I get it. It's their flyweights, but I feel like this fight rules. I feel like the winner of this fight more than likely gets a title shot. Um, I don't, I didn't see it on MMA fighting that time, so I, obviously I know the golden rule. It's not official, but it, it does seem like it, it is a rumor. Um, Manel Pop versus, um, versus Davidson Figueredo. What are your opinions on that? And how, um, how many fights does um, Manel Pop need in order to get himself a fight? Because that's a fight I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, no covers with Brandon Moreno. I feel like that would be bonkers. All right, Mike. Thanks, and have a good one. Yeah, Royval Nicolau should be on the the main card. I have no idea what, why that's not on the main card, but I don't know. Maybe things will change. Maybe things will change. We, the people revolted and got Casey O'Neill, Jennifer Maya on the main card for two eighty six. So. Maybe the, the revolution will work again and get that fight up there. But I don't know. And again, some fighters just like probably don't even care because of the fight nights. They're like, all right, my job's done. We're in it out early. It's all the same kind of thing. It's not a pay-per-view. It's all on the same network, on the same sort of stream. So it's like, who really cares? But I get where you're coming from. This fight should be higher up on the card. It should be more have more of a spotlight on it, no doubt about it. I did see the report from the great CC Legaspi about Manel Cobb versus Davis and Figueredo. Seems like there is smoke to that fire, but we have not fully confirmed that fight yet. So stay tuned for that. Could you do Izzy versus Strickland? Yeah, you could. I mean, that's something I've thought about. Just to add a little spice to this thing. And again, you know, there's this big sale and this big merger that is not finalized yet, but you can get three title fights on the card that is going to have the biggest spotlight on it. It's not a bad one to have on there. That thing's going to build up. I mean, the, the build to that fight's going to be awful too. Got to be fair about it. The build to DDP is going to be awful. This one's probably going to be just as awful, if not more awful. But Sean Strickland stole the freaking show last year at International Fight Week. The dude stole the show. Stole media day, stole the press conference, got Izzy riled up a little bit. And again, as we say, this is not Bellator. Strike deserves and strike meritocracy from all the records and conversations. It's a tough hang giving a guy who has lost two out of three fights and was knocked out brutally by the former champion a title shot when 
the win he has is against a guy I don't even think is ranked anymore, and it was at 205 on short notice. Kind of tough. But, again, none of that matters. By the time you get to that fight, people are going to be talking about it. Strickland will give you plenty of bulletin board material, plenty of stuff to build promos with. Could happen. Wouldn't shock me. That... If this is going to fight on that card, it's probably that fight. I don't think he's fighting Hamzat on that card. From all indications, and by the way, don't say like, oh, Mike Hick reported this. No. Nothing is done on this on this fact, uh, on this aspect, but the UFC really, from what I, what I understand, the UFC really wants Hamzat versus Paulo Costa on that Abu Dhabi card. That's what they want. Not done, nothing set, anything of that nature. That's what the UFC wants. Now, plans could change because we have a new champion and all the, the merger and all this stuff. Who the hell knows? But I feel like Hamzat's not going to get a title shot right away. You might as well strike, get the cost of fight done. I just wish we didn't have to wait till probably October to get it. But that's where we're at right now. Uh, Joe, hello. Hey, Mike. Uh, so I was really happy to hear the news about uh, Pereira moving up to 205. I think I'm I'm so glad we got the Izzy fights, but it I just have a hard time believing that 185 wasn't affecting his performance. And I want to see – I think he's a good enough personality, a good enough fighter that uh, I want to see him kind of carve his own way uh, healthily at 205 – then make uh, another cut that could affect his performance uh, down to 185 for sort of what would be probably a last fight at 185 for a, a title shot. Um, but with that being said, uh, what do you think of Pereira versus the winner of Walker Smith? Um, I say that mostly because I want to see the kind of like Looney Tunes, Three Stooges-esque physics that could occur with uh, Pereira knocks out Johnny Walker. Um what sort of ridiculous slapstick uh, reaction that would get. And then also, uh, Izzy against DDP. I think people are discounting. I don't know if you saw this, but DDP's uh, head coach came out and said that uh, he got um, some form of nose surgery uh, that it's going to allow him to, to breathe better in the octagon and that he was only getting 8% oxygen prior to this uh, nose surgery coming in. So, uh, with that in mind, what are your thoughts on DDP versus Izzy? Uh, DDP possibly beating Jorge Masvidal's knockout record uh, and knocking D- or Izzy out in two to three seconds, uh, given uh, his 92% increased oxygen intake. Uh, thanks so much, Mike. <laughs> Have a good one. Uh, yeah, Pereira. Look, it's better. Per, it's better for Pereira right now to go to. T- Look, you're going to miss out on the bag with, with Izzy, but again, doesn't mean you can't get it. Pereira ain't going to be waiting long for a title shot at 205. He's probably going to only need one win, and he's going to get his shot. And who knows? They might just give him the title shot. They might just give it to Pereira. Jamal Hill, obviously the UFC wants Jamal Hill to fight Yuri Prohashka. That's the fight that everybody wants to see. That's the fight I want to see. But let's just say Yuri has been too optimistic about his timeline for a return from 
an injury that Dana White said is the worst shoulder injury he's ever seen in his entire UFC career. Yuri seems to think he's gonna he'd be able to fight this summer. Doesn't seem like that's the case because we don't have any fight announcement. But let's just say like Yuri ain't ready. It doesn't seem like Ankoliath is on the UFC's good side right now. Doesn't seem like they're in any rush to give Yanni Blocko a title shot. Kind of feel like Alex is like the next guy up. Kind of feel like they would go Pereira over any of those other guys if Yuri can't go. And if Pereira wins the belts and Izzy wins another fight, or even if he doesn't, now you can do the trilogy up there. So this move, because even he said, like, it's not because I can't make the weight. Does it affect his performance? Perhaps. We don't really know. Because Pereira looked pretty good up until the moment he got knocked out. We all thought he was about to knock Izzy out until he got clipped with that overhand right. But Pereira ain't making this move unless, to me, he ain't making this move unless he's got a massive fight on the horizon. So the UFC must be telling him, and maybe Dana kind of like planted those seeds. Eh, I think he's probably going to 205. Why? Why? It just seemed like such an easy thing to say. Unless... There are doubts that Yuri Prohashka is coming back to fight as soon as Yuri thinks he is. It's so fact so. Here we go. Pereira's going to get the shot against Jamal Hill. Maybe he becomes a... Can you imagine that, though? Alex Pereira makes his UFC debut in November of 2021. And in this world, by the end of 2023, Alex Pereira could be in the UFC record books as a two-division UFC champion. Like, that is just insane. Absolutely insanity. And the DDP thing, look. Said the same thing about Justin Gaethje. That's why I said the same thing about Justin Gaethje against Rafael Fazeev. We have a Justin Gaethje who could breathe out of his nose for the first time in his fighting career. And... Seemed to work out good for him. But again, it's not it's not the gas tank and DDP looking tired in fights that makes me think Adesanya would be a minus 600 favorite. It's the way DDP fights. It's the way DDP fights. He leaves himself wide open to just get clipped. He's, he's chaotic. And that has been to his advantage in a lot of his fights. But Izzy ain't going to just sit there and not make him pay with the way DDP just kind of puts keeps his chin up in the air. I just don't think that fight goes well for DDP. At least right now. But who knows? But interesting stuff. Rare might be just getting us, getting himself title shot. What's up, for us? Hey, what's up, Mike? Heck of a morning. Uh-huh. So I haven't listened to Otno yet, so I'm I'm pretty sure you guys already match made for Alex Pereira. Uh, I thought I had the perfect pick until I heard you guys talking about maybe he fights for a title soon at a light heavyweight. But uh, what do you think about him versus Nikita Krylov? I mean, Nikita, I think what is he ranked number six or seven? He's a contender right now, and then you can just rush Alex Pereira and and try to get him a quick title shot. 
Yeah, I mean, look, what, he ain't moving up to 205 to fight Nikita Krylov. When he's got the biggest fight he could possibly have next at 185. The UFC would make that, would figure out a way to make that fight happen. But I just don't, he's not going up to 205 unless he's got something ahead of him. And it ain't Nikita Krylov. AK's, my, my suggestion was just do the trilogy fight and get it done now, 185. But maybe I was wrong about that. Maybe I didn't think enough about this. Where, why are we rushing Pereira so quickly? And then we realize maybe it's out of just necessity. Because the UFC ain't, is, they're just not going to give Ankaliyev a title shot. Ankaliyev might be the best light heavyweight in the world right now, but he ain't getting rushed to a title fight. Dana White was not happy with that Jan Blachowicz fight. And I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think it was that bad. It ended in kind of a sour note, but the first three rounds are pretty compelling. It's pretty compelling, like, first 65% of that fight. But it doesn't seem like these guys are in any rush. And with the Yanni Blanco thing, he seems serious about it. He's telling people, like, I ain't joking. I still don't know how he makes 185. He said he can make it three to four months. How the hell is that guy going to make 185? He's 40. I can't even make 185 right now. And I ain't no, I'm nowhere near the size of Yanni Blanco. So, I mean, if you can do it, God bless him, but why do it? Why do it? AK suggest. I like the AK suggestion. It ain't going to happen. But if we're just like having fights for fight's sakes, Pereira versus Khalil Roundtree is just ridiculous. Do Pereira, like, oh, that's just, that's just wild. We can keep the story continuing on of Khalil Roundtree taking out all these elite kickboxers. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's try to get Pella in. His his connection has not been great, so we haven't been able to get him in. Let's see if we can get him in now. Hello. I think... Um, I want to ask a question. I think, what what about Megumega and Kulev and Alex? 
I think Mega Mega Collab and Alex would be really nice. Then I also think, you know, I don't actually feel Costa is a good opponent for Kamzat, but I really think Kamzat will literally finish Costa. But I feel I feel Whitaker would be a good matchup for Kamzat, you know, to really know if Kamzat is really, really good, you know. I think Whitaker is a good opponent for Kamza, but right now for Israel, you know, I think, you know, is I think Strickland should be given a fight with um, maybe Vittori, you know, then after that, then maybe Strickland can fight Israel, you know? Yeah, man, but again... This ain't Bellator. This is the UFC. None of that. We don't deal with merit. We don't deal with earning your right for the for the most part. There's a story already. The UFC could already build a promo for Israel Adesanya, Sean Strickland right now. And let's be clear: as a fight fan, do you really want to watch Sean Strickland fight Marvin Vittori? That might be one of the all-time just tough hangs. That might be the middleweightiest middleweight fight of all time. Sean Strickland versus Marvin Vittori. Hamza Whitaker would be great, but I think the UFC is too smart to not make that fight. Because I think, honestly, if there's one guy who I would, and I wouldn't confidently pick him over Hamza, but if there's one guy that I think I might pick over Hamza Shamaya for 170 or 185, it might be Robert Whitaker. It might be it might be good old Bobby Knuckles. That might be the toughest stylistic matchup for Hamzad, and that includes Adesanya. And the goal here is to get Hamzad to a title fight. So you chuck him in there with Paul Costa. Those two guys are going to steal the show all week long, the entire build ahead of that Abu Dhabi card. And there's a lot of people who feel like Hamzad like, might have his hands full of Paul. I don't know if I'm one of those people, but there's a lot of people who feel that way. But yeah, if it, look, that's the fight. Those two guys like hate each other. There's beef. Again, UFC can build a promo already with the material they have with those two guys. So, yeah, and Strickland Vittori, God, that would be a tough build too. And I, don't, I just don't think the fight's all that compelling. I think it's just a that'd be a tough one to watch. We'll go to Abzwaya, then we'll go to Mike. So um I have two things I just want to ask. The first thing regarding on uh, Saturday with the Max Holloway, Arnold Allen. So let's say obviously Arnold Allen wins. Um he'll obviously wait for a title shot between Yare and Alex. However, do you reckon if Yaya were to beat Alexander Wolkanowski on July and obviously they'll run the rematch back in possibly Mexico. Should Arnold Allen just wait out a title shot or should he fight maybe Brian Ortega just if he's willing to do a tune-up? And my other question is um, regarding Bilal Muhammad. You know, we know that he wants to fight Kamaru Usman. Do you think he's really shooting himself on the foot by you know, screw up that promotion he had with trying to fight Colby Covington. Because if I'm if I were the UFC, 
I would have probably made that fight, or maybe a fight with Gilbert Burns. I think it would be a good fight to see who's the next number one contender between those two after Colby Wissard Leon is done. Let me know your thoughts. Um, no, because I just don't think Bilal had really any chance of getting the Colby fight, and I think he realized that. Even with the beef, and even with the John Anik stuff, and even with the law getting over, he had no chance of getting that fight. So... Let's go for, for Usman. And I think, again, and that's smart. Bilal is starting to learn. Bilal is starting to learn. That is exactly the fight he should be shooting for right now. Usman coming off of a loss, coming off now of two losses. He's a former champion. He's considered in a lot of people's eyes the second best welterweight of all time. That is prize fighting. That's the, that's the Colby Covington book of prize fighting right there. You take the biggest name who's on a skid, who has merit to his resume, and you fight that guy. And if you beat that guy, you probably get yourself into a title shot. Now, Gilbert Burns, on the other end, kind of shot himself in the foot with his whole, with his post-fight stuff. I'm not fighting unless I'm the backup. I'm not fighting unless it's for the belts or release me. And of course, it appears, as I said on, on to the next one, not a good call, Uh and he's kind of backed off that city. He was sort of trolling most of the time anyway. So what was the point of that? Like, what was the point of all that? He should have went right for Bilal. Bilal's there. He's making headlines. Get the Colby shirt on. He should have called for Bilal right there and then. So now I feel Burns is out of this mix because of how he handled everything. Bilal, there's a good chance. I would say there's a pretty decent chance Bilal gets that Usman fight. But if not, you go with, if you're Bilal and you can't get Usman, Usman's going to be out for the rest of the year or something, you try to pivot your way back to Gilbert because you don't want to fight Shafkar Rachmanov. You don't want that to happen. But maybe Gilbert kind of talked himself into fighting Shafkar Rachmanov. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Mike, hello. Hey, Mike. What's going on? Uh, Echo, good morning to you. Uh I'm just coming off the high uh, UFC 287 down in Miami. I was in attendance. It was crazy. But um, my question is more on, I think Pajeda should go, when he goes up to 205, I actually like the matchup. I don't know. I came in kind of late of uh, Alec, Alec Zender Rackage and then um, put him up there. Everybody keeps talking about this instant trilogy. I don't mind a little bit of breathing room. In between fights, I kind of want to see him go up against uh, Rackage and then see what that comes up to and then get a title shot there and then maybe possibly try to set up double champ Izzy uh, at 205. Paeta looked kind of – I saw him in the fighter hotel. He looked kind of drained. I don't think that man can make 85 again. Um, and then besides that, uh, is nobody talking about DDP versus Strickland to see who would get the actual number one contender? And then maybe Izzy takes – even Izzy can take a light heavyweight fight in between. Like even if it's like a top ten, top fifteen type of guy, a round tree there just to kind of put something in the in that middle space, and then fight uh, the winner of Strickland DDP in like October, November in MSG. Maybe I don't know. Again, Pereira's not like I just don't see Pereira moving up to two hundred five to fight Rackage. Why would he do that? What's the point? He has a multi-million dollar fight ahead of him. Even if the weight cuts too much, he, he could do it one more time and make a big bag of money 
but he's going to move up to 205 to fight Alexander Rakic. I just, why would he do that? I, I, no, I don't think that happens at all. I think Pereira is going to fight for the title. He's going to fight for the belt. I just don't know what, like, why else move up? Rackage ain't going to do it. Like, does anybody really care? You're going to give up the big bag to go fight? I don't know. It's just, uh, I, I mean, I blame myself for, for not l- leaning into this a little bit more and being like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe Yuri's just not ready to fight, so they're just going to give him a title shot. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I could be wrong, and they'll just throw him in there with somebody, but we were talking, like, we were literally talking after he, Pereira beat Adesanya. Let's just give him the title shot. Let's just have him fight Jamal Hill right now. Avenge the loss for, for his fallen brother. We were just talking about this, like, two months after he won the middleweight title. I don't know. Strange times, my friends. Strange times. Alan, hello. You hear me, Mike? Sorry. All good. I got you. I'm, I'm at work, man, so you might hear a radio in the background. I guess my uh, my pick from like two days ago for the Siamese boxing match between the Paul brothers and the uh, Diaz brothers ain't going to happen. <clears throat> so my, my question, if we're trying to get Pajeda on a fast track to a title fight, or just trying to build a resume, and I apologize if this has already been brought up, why not put him against the loser of Anthony Smith, Johnny Walker? You have name value, recognition, you have a ranking. Uh, I don't know. I I think it could be a good segue for him to push up the rankings, maybe fight one more time before putting him into a title fight. I just don't think Tejeda has the experience – other than knocking out Strickland and fighting Izzy. I don't know. That's all I got. Thanks, Mike. Right, but he didn't have the experience. Again, I mean, look, I I get where you're coming from. I would love to live in a Bellatorish world where if a guy's going to move up, you got to earn your right. I get it. But – In Pereira's case, he is sitting on the precipice of the biggest fight he could possibly get right now. The biggest fight he could possibly get is right there for him. It's right there. Him, do you see the crowd? Like, they did a massive gate at MSG with this fight. They did an even bigger gate in Miami with this fight. And now it's 1-1 in the UFC with both guys knocking out the other. A third fight between these two guys is ginormous. It's huge. It's huge. And Pereira made the weight. He's 185. Look, it's a lot of weight for the man to cut. But he even said the man even said it himself. And Pereira doesn't seem like a guy who's, who lies. He said, look, I ain't moving up because of the weight cut. I'm moving up. Like, I could do it. I'm just I'm moving up for a different challenge or whatever. Why would he just make the decision to move up? 
if he's not in line for something huge. Like, prayer fighting Anthony Smith? Like, yeah, it'd be like a cool name on the resume, but is he moving up to 205 to fight Anthony Smith or Johnny Walker? I don't think so. Like, I get it from, like, a fan's perspective. Like, oh, we want to see this guy go get a win. But again, this is the UFC. This is not Bellator. This is not the PFL. It's not one championship. It's let's get the biggest fights on the books right now. And the way the UFC is looking at this is how can we get how can we get to this third fight with Israel Adesanya? And how can we make it as special as can be? Let's give Alex Pereira a title shot right now at 205. And you best believe if Alex Pereira wins that fight and wins the belt, guess who he's fighting next? He's fighting Israel Adesanya. They're going to give Izzy a second chance at becoming a two-division champion. I just don't see why Pereira would forfeit this huge, massive fight, which has already done like 20-plus million dollars worth of box office, not to mention the pay-per-view buys, to fight Anthony Smith, who's not even headlining in Charlotte. I get where you're coming from, and I would love to live in that world, but we don't. We don't live in that universe. We live in, let's, and look, there's this massive merger that's about to go public between the UFC and WWE. They want to make it look like they are making a floppity jillion dollars with every single event. This is what they're doing. And of course, knowing my luck with things, tomorrow they're going to be like, just announced for International Fight Week, Alex Pereira is fighting Alexander Rakic. Or he's stepping in to fight Johnny Walker at UFC Charlotte. And then I'll be like, oh, you were right and I was wrong. But I just don't think Pereira's moving up unless he's got something that's being discussed in a big way. Jay Stat, hello. Hello, Mike. A uh, heck of a morning to you. You too. Um, what is what is your thoughts about the Manal Cape Manal Cop versus Davison Figueroa in the works? And uh, also, I think the third fight between Izzy and Alex will definitely happen at two hundred five once Alex beats Jamal Hill. I think that's going to be a tough fight for Alex, but I think Alex is going to catch him with something. And uh, that that's all. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what they're looking at right now. I, I like I don't think Dane is the way we looked at it in the aftermath of, of two eighty seven was like, why just rush this man up to two oh five? Like why just rush him up when you have this massive fight? When we didn't really take into account, oh we need Jamal Hill to fight somebody compelling. And if it's not Yuri Prohashka who would be the most compelling challenge for Alex Pereira or for Jamal Hill right now? It's Alex Pereira. We have a storyline. Jamal Hill beat the hell out of Glover Teixeira, retired the man, the mentor, the coach, the head man for Alex Pereira. The guy who gave him the speech, you got to go knock this guy out heading into round five. And he does. Alex Pereira, there's a story there already. And it's the big, 
205 just is not a great division. Like, look at how we had to end last year. Look how we had to start this year. Just to put a, a belt around somebody's waist because the UFC fumbled the bag with this whole Yuri thing. And I still, to this point, do not believe there is any shred of truth to Yuri saying, you know what? I respect this division so much. I, UFC, that he picked up the phone and was like, hey, I will vacate the belt of my own. I don't think that's the case at all. Because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. They let Francis Ngannou hold on to the title the entire time he was a free agent, essentially. Or he was working on this deal with the UFC. Knowing full well that there's a very good chance he ain't coming back. And Francis got to keep the belt. But all of a sudden, Yuri Prohashka hurts his shoulder. And then that same day, he can't fight. They're just stripping him of the belt? Just so we could have a main event for a vacant title between Jan Blachowicz and Magomed Ankalaev? Like, what sense does that make? And now look at where we're at right now. Now look at what this division is. Jamal Hill had a performance of a lifetime, so it worked out great for him. Now they're hoping Yuri can come back just so they can give, do that fight. And I love that fight. Love it. Absolutely love it. Hope it happens. But if not, the next best thing is Jamal Hill versus Alex Pereira because of the story attached to it. And because you have two dudes who can knock the other out. Like, th- that is just way more compelling than Ankoliev or Jan Bohovich. And Ankoliev probably beats all of these guys. But he just... Ankoliev just had kind of an... He got the Tiago Santos fight for the sole purpose of going out there and running over that man, and he didn't do it. He beat an injured Anthony Smith. And then he probably should be the champion right now, for being honest, but fights Jan Blahovic to a draw. And now we're in this position. It's just... And now those two both are kind of out of the equation because they had that fight that should have just been an interim freaking title fight to begin with. Ugh. They mishandled that whole situation. I mean, it worked out great for Jamal Hill because he shut a lot of people up with his performance, but... This is all just such a mess. 205 is just, it's just there. Yusuf, hello. Sure. Because I you know, appreciate the, the comments. I agree that um, the situation at light heavyweight is kind of, kind of a mess right now, for sure. Um, you know, honestly, personally speaking, I'm not very high on Jamal Hill. I don't think he's... I don't. I don't think he's the true champion, as you know. Most of us know. Uh, I'm not high on his skill set either. Um, and and clearly, you know, I think Yuri is the the real champ. But um, I guess with Alex going up to 205, um, it does kind of create a problem. I guess with Yuri as well too, because you know Yuri, like if they want to make that matchup right away, Pereira and and Jamal Hill, then Yuri's going to be waiting in the wings. And I think honestly, once he's ready to go, I think he's. Like he'll he he'd beat both Jamal Hill and Alex Pereira, so it's um you know and in terms of a, the actual matchup, I think if 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 it was you know Yuri was a champ currently, then you know 
the, the, the Pahara versus Yuri matchup would be absolutely lightning compared to the one versus Jamal Hill. But I understand, you know, they want to get the uh, Pahara the belt, you know, right away type of thing. But uh, I, I think it's kind of pushing the can down the road um, because once Yuri's ready, he's going to be wanting that, ta- you know, that, that belt. And if they do uh, Adesanya versus Pahara at 205, then, you know, what happens to Yuri at that point? So, you know, I, I would have, I think in the perfect scenario, it would have been Yuri versus Pahara at this time, you know, if Yuri was ready, but, uh, and he was still the champ, obviously, but unfortunately that's not the case. So, but anyways, yeah, I just want to hear your comments there. Number one, I had another quick one or two on uh, the lightweight, uh, the, light, the lightweight division, uh, Charles and uh, Darius fighting in a few weeks here. If Charles wins, do you, do you think the UFC has an appetite to see the rematch of Islam versus Charles? Personally, I think it doesn't sound to me like a compelling matchup, to be honest. But obviously, if it was Benil that wins, then you know right away you slot him right away with Islam. But um, the the rematch of Charles versus Islam, I'm not sure if there's a big big appetite for that. So you know, what do you think is next for Islam if Charles gets the gets the victory in a few weeks? Thanks, Mike. Dustin Poirier. I think it's Dustin Poirier. I think Dustin gets the title shot if Charles wins. Because you're right, there is, there's not going to be a big appetite for for Oliveira, not yet, anyways. Some people want to see. Look, there's a lot of Oliveira fans out there, and those people would love to see it. I just don't know a world where that fight goes any differently. I just don't. Even the build, and I picked Charles Oliveira. And I even said the entire build to that fight, everything on paper screams to me that Islam Makachev is going to dump truck Charles Oliveira. Everything. Everything, all the the, the tape study, all the watching back of the fights, everything told me that Islam Makachev was going to run over Charles Oliveira, that this was a horrible stylistic matchup for him. And I ended up going with Oliveira because I picked against him too many times and his chaos factor... Maybe he would land something crazy. Every time I think he's going to lose, he finds a way to win. Just And it doesn't make sense that that title run didn't make sense in a lot of respects just because it was so magical. And I just don't know if that fight goes any differently. So, And I think the matchmakers probably look at it the same. So I would say Dustin Poirier would probably get the title shot. If Darius wins, Darius gets the title shot. The world will be right again. I agree with a lot of what you said about the 205 stuff, but I do disagree with you about Jamal Hill. I I think this guy is the real deal. I wasn't completely sold on him, and I understand that Glover Teixeira was, you know, 40-something years old, and but this is a dude that went hammer and tongs with Yuri Prashka and was about to beat Yuri before he got submitted, and Jamal just beat the brakes off him. Jamal beat him up everywhere, on the feet, on the ground, everywhere. This was... That was the Jamal Hill coming out party. And you can feel how you feel about him being the champion and how Yuri kind of got screwed in the situation, which I think is true. Like I said before, I don't think Yuri was like, you know what, UFC, I'll vacate the title on my own merits. I don't think that happened. I don't. And it's such a weird situation. We'll never know the truth, but that's just how I feel personally. Jamal got the opportunity. I don't blame him for it. But after that performance against Glover, the way he hammer and tongs it just dominated Glover I want to see him fight Yuri so bad I want to see that fight so bad I think it's a super compelling fight I think Jamal Hill is really good 
Is he the best light heavyweight in the world right now? Time will tell. I don't think so at the moment. But do I feel better about his potential of being the, light, the best light heavyweight in the world after that performance against Glover? You're damn right I do. And I think he's got a shot against Yuri. But those, those names right there, that's what makes this all interesting. So it makes this all interesting. Jamal Hill versus Yuri, fun as hell. Jamal Hill versus Alex Pereira, fun as hell. And if Alex Pereira wins that fight and Yuri's not ready to come back, he goes and fights Izzy. Whoever wins that fight gets to fight Yuri Prashka. We could be living in a world, friends, where we get Israel Adesanya versus Yuri Prashka. Can you imagine that shit? Sport is a wild place. Our imaginations run wild. Uh, longer? Hello. Are you there? Just got to unmute. Longer, are you there? All right. Let's go to Zeke. And then we got to go. Zeke! My man Mike, broadcasting from spring break basketball camp. I would be nice and sweet. First things first, fantastic job by Nate Diaz getting the bag. I really don't care how that fight goes. Uh, I will watch it, but I really could care less for the actual action. Honestly, in my opinion, I, don't, I would love to hear yours. Secondly, talk about this weekend. Max Holloway kind of going into maybe his first ever low-key main event. This is the first time Max Holloway is in the main discussion of a fight week that he is fighting in. Thank you very much, my man, Mike. Have a heck of a morning. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. It's also just... Doing this card in Kansas City, just, I don't know. It just seems weird. You get the guy from Hawaii fighting the guy from England in Kansas City, Missouri. Just seems kind of, eh. And the ticket sales seem to kind of mesh, mesh that. I don't think they'll be going back to Kansas City anytime soon after this card. Because it doesn't look like the ticket sales are going very well. But I get it, yes. Yeah, it's, it's an under-the-radar Max Holloway fight week because we're still talking about all this hangover from UFC 287. This might be, especially with Pereira announcing the move to 205 now, that this might be the most lingering hangover from a fight card that I can remember in a long time. And it's going to continue on. BTL, we're going to be talking about 287 like the majority of the show. I can tell you that right now. It's just going to be me and Jed shooting the breeze, but we're going to be talking a lot about 287, the fallout of this, where this all goes, and it's going to be some interesting times. But Holloway Allen's a great fight. Hopefully by Saturday. And again, these, these are two guys that are just like going to be so, super duper respectful of each other. Like Max might come out and say like he's going to finish Arnold in the first round or something and use that confidence and that swagger. But Arnold's just going to tell like dry sense of humor jokes and be happy to be there. Which is kind of refreshing if we're being honest for a UFC guard. But that's, yeah, just flies under the radar. Going from Miami and all the chaos to Kansas City, Missouri, where the barbecue is aplenty and the fights are good, but the fans don't seem to care. I don't know. I'm surprised the ticket sales are doing 
what they seem to be doing for this one, if we're being honest. But as Max likes to say, it is what it is, brother. And as far as Nate, Jake Paul goes, yeah, good for Nate, man. Nate has won. Nate has won fighting. And this is, it's official now. He is, I mean, he's won the game. And he's going to lose to Jake Paul. He's going to lose this fight. And it's not going to be all that close and competitive. But at the same token, even if Nate is not close or competitive, so what? Nate just needs one moment. Nate just needs to, needs to land one good shot, points. Ha, I caught you. And that's all we're going to be talking about. Go back and watch the Leon Edwards fight. It's so crazy. Like, Leon just beats him and dominates him pretty much for every second. Nate has some moments in the fourth round where it seems like the tide might be turning a little bit. But still, Leon wins that round. And Leon's still kind of winning the fifth. And then Nate just finds that moment, stings Leon. And that's all anybody talked about after the fact. People were saying, like, Leon doesn't even deserve a freaking title shot after that fight because Nate landed, like, five punches at the end of the fifth round. Nate has won fighting. He's going to make so much money with this fight. He's going to lose. He's not going to get knocked out. He's not going to get finished. But he's going to lose a dominant decision, and who cares? He's going to make so much money. He's going to make so much money, and then he's probably going to – I don't know what he's going to do from there, if we're being honest. Does he end up back in the UFC? Does he do the Connor fight? I don't know. Does he just wait for Connor to leave so they can do this fight outside of it? I don't know. But Nate is going to get a huge bag of money to fight Jake Paul and not get knocked out. Pretty cool deal. And he's going to be a massive underdog because he's going to be massively undersized. But who cares? This is going to be one of those fights as MMA fans that we're just going to be like, we kind of know what's going to happen, but like we're just happy for Nate because he won, he's, he won fighting and he's getting this big bag of money and everything else... If they just doesn't get knocked out, like we're going to celebrate this. It's cherry on top of the Sunday. This ain't the Anderson Silva fight. Where we're like, oh, please, Anderson, for the love of God, do it for MMA. Do it for us. No, we're like, yay, Nate. Go to the bank and cash that big, fat paycheck. You deserve it, brother. That's how we're looking at this. And any success Nate has is just cool, man. That's awesome. That's how I feel about this fight. That's how I feel about this fight. The build will be fun. The face-offs will be fun. Press conference will be fun. It's just going to be fun. It's just weird fighting, just weird fight stuff. And maybe Nate, who knows? And if Nate goes out there and beats Jake Paul, like that'd be the coolest thing ever. And if he doesn't, we don't expect him to. We're just happy Nate makes a big bag of money. And that's cool. This makes the whole Jake Paul thing much more palatable in my eyes. But at least Jake's getting back to the MMA thing. And you kind of had to do it now, right? Because if you went back into the Tommy Fury fight and he loses again, then you kind of just lose all the luster for it. So, yeah, let's just celebrate Nate getting the big bag and let's see if he could shock everybody and it'd be the coolest friggin' thing ever if he did. All right. So we're done. Thank you very much. We'll be back again tomorrow. Talk some more UFC Kansas City and whatever else is on your mind. Uh, BTL, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. 
me and Jed shooting the breeze about all the stuff that we talked about today and more. And we'll probably take some questions afterwards. Who knows? We're just going to have some fun. So we'll see you on the YouTube channel in about 75 minutes from right now. And as far as you wonderful people, have a great rest of the day. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern right here on Heck of a Morning. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.